Hey, thanks so much for checking out Crossview Church Sermons and listening to this podcast. Every week you can expect a message that strengthens your faith and encourages you in your walk with God. You're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Chris Dirksen. I want to spend this week and next week talking about a couple of different misconceptions. This is probably the kind of thing we'll come back to uh, whenever we have a couple of weeks to fill here at Crossview. Because from time to time, we just like to look at passages of Scripture that we Christians commonly misunderstand or have misconceptions about. And so today we're going to have a lot of fun. I want to talk about misconceptions about the Proverbs 31 woman. Now, how many of you have ever heard of the Proverbs 31 woman? Just put your hand in the air, okay? Okay, so the Proverbs 31 woman, this is a famous passage of scripture, uh, many Bible studies, uh, women's books, and materials have been written on the Proverbs 31 woman. And by the way, if you have been encouraged by those materials, or if you love Proverbs uh, 31, and you have found it very encouraging, I want to tell you right now, don't change it. I love it that you're getting encouraged by it. The passage should be encouraging to you, and I'm not going to upend anything you think. If, on the other hand, you are one of those women, because most men don't feel any conviction from Proverbs 31, and we're going to look at that today. But if you are one of those women that when you read Proverbs 31, you do not feel joy and hope. Instead, you feel inferior, and you feel... Uh, despair, then this is a sermon for you. Because we have some serious misconceptions about Proverbs 31 and the woman it describes. And we're going to jump into those today, all right? And that's very important. So two questions we have to answer in this sermon. First of all, does Proverbs 31, and we're going to look at the passage, so I think most of you are probably familiar with it, but those of you aren't, we're going to look at a bunch of the verses in there anyway. But the first question we have to answer is, does Proverbs 31 set an unattainable standard for wives to live up to? Okay, we're going to look at that. It certainly seems to. Second question we have to answer is, is Proverbs 31 sexist? And perhaps a third question, maybe I'll just throw a third, third in, three for two. Should men be permanently banned from teaching on Proverbs 31? And after this sermon, probably the answer is yes. So let's go and look at Proverbs 31, shall we? And here's how it starts, okay? It's 22 verses, starting in verse number 10, and it goes from 10 to uh, whatever 22 verses later is, 31, okay? And it starts out this way, okay? A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And the first thing I want you to notice here is that this verse, and some of you women, modern women, might be cringing already, is this passage seems really husband-centered, doesn't it? Like a wife's value is completely determined by a couple of things. First of all, her husband has full confidence in her, and she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Okay? It sure seems like Proverbs 31 is defining the value of a woman by whether she's married and how good she makes her husband's life. Which again, men for centuries have loved Proverbs 31. When their wife disappoints them, here's Proverbs 31, honey, 
get to work, would you? I'm praying that the Spirit works in your life, okay? And so we come to misconception number one. Are you ready for misconception number one? Phew. We all only one no. Okay, that's good. We'll go by the majority here. Misconception number one, Proverbs 31 was written to women. Gasp. Because I have yet to see a Proverbs 31 Bible study in the men's section of the Christian bookstore. But there are lots of them in the women's bookstore, part of the bookstore, and yet Proverbs 31 was not written to women. And I'm going to show you a bunch of reasons that that is true. But before we even do that, I want you to notice that she is spoken of in the third person, not you. This passage is not and has never been aimed at women. Otherwise, it would say, you, my daughters, should bring value to your husbands. It does not. It is talking to the man, and then in the third person, this is a wife of value. Okay, So that's going to be very important. But there's lots of other things we could say about this. Because the reality is, okay, and this is really important, we're going to get some context here. This is about misconceptions, okay? The reality is that the entire book of Proverbs was collected, uh, written or collected, I mean, there's a bunch of Proverbs collected, was written to young men. Now, I'm going to, now, some of you are going, what are you telling us to throw it out for all the rest of us? And the answer is no, we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, you have to understand the context of Proverbs, Proverbs is a collection of wise sayings, many of them from Solomon, that was intended to be taught to young men in the royal court. And by the way, if you doubt this, let me just show you a few verses. Every single one of the first seven chapters starts out, except for chapter one, where it starts out by saying, these are the collected Proverbs of Solomon. And then, but then after that, it goes on to say, my son, like three times in, in eight verses. But every other chapter, the first seven chapters, start out this way. My son, if you accept my words and store my commands within you. Why? This is being collected. Some scholars think it was for a school. Okay? Not everybody's convinced of that. But whatever the case is, the, the setting is a royal court. Men in the royal court. And it's teaching leadership. Wise leadership to young men. Here's one. Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son. Okay? My son. Do not forget my teaching. Proverbs Four, I'll just do one more. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding, okay? So this does not mean, now, okay, so first of all, this does not mean that older men and women can't learn anything from Proverbs. That's not at all what it means. We can all learn from Proverbs. We're supposed to. That's why, ultimately, the early church fathers put the book of Proverbs in the Bible because all the book of the Bi books of the Bible were supposed to take things by the Holy Spirit for all of us. But each of the books of the Bible has a specific context. And the context of Proverbs is, this is advice written to young men in training, probably for the royal courts. Now, this explains why the focus of Proverbs is so much on the concerns of young men. For example, there's not a Proverbs 32 husband, is there? The book ends with a Proverbs 31 woman, but it doesn't talk about a pro There's no Proverbs 30 or 32. There's no chapter that talks about the ideal husband. Why? Because it's written to young men. And by the way, if you want to know why, and we're going to come back to this point uh, towards the end of the sermon, 
But if you want to know why, there's so much female imagery in the book. Have you ever noticed that when you read through Proverbs? You should have, particularly the first nine chapters, but it goes throughout the whole thing. The imagery over and over and over again is, wisdom is a beautiful woman. Now, why would wisdom be pictured as a beautiful woman throughout the book of Proverbs? I'll tell you why. Because if you want to catch a young man's attention, how do you catch his attention? My, listen, my sons, please follow wisdom. Wisdom is like a beautiful woman. Oh, okay. We'll follow, okay? Now, if you're, now this says something else too. So when we're talking about the Proverbs 31 woman, if we're recognizing that this isn't written to women, it's actually written to men. It's like, so the entire book of Proverbs is about wisdom. And again, we're all supposed to take wisdom from Proverbs. I'm just talking about the context. This tells us, why Proverbs uh, uses the imagery it does, why it deals with the topics it does. So the entire book of Proverbs is about, is about wisdom, that which we now by the Holy Spirit take for all of us, but initially it was intended for young men. Okay? And at the end of the book, you have a session. Imagine you have a seminar. And at the end of your seminar, you have a class Okay, and let's say you're teaching a class of young men. You have a class on when you go to look for a wife, what kind of a wife should you look for? Now, if you take, if you do a session like that, you're not going to cover women in, in a holistic whole way, are you? You're not going to cover in a session that is directed to men, what kind of a wife should you be looking for? You're not going to cover things like, oh, by the way, women who never marry are quite valuable. They can find tremendous purpose in life. They're, they don't need to get married and find... No, you're not going to talk about those things in a class specifically aimed at young men, what should you look for when you get married? So this is why Proverbs 31 See, if you take Proverbs 31 out of its context and just think, this is all the book of Proverbs has to say about women, you're going to totally miss it. Because Proverbs 31 is not saying everything there is to say about women. It is saying specifically to young men some qualities to look for in a wife. And yet many Christians have almost taught Proverbs 31 as if this is like the main thing the Bible has to say about women, in which case the only women who have any value or purpose in life are those who are married, and are they making their husbands' lives good? But that would be a wrong view of women. Obviously, Jesus and Paul were never married, and it is clear uh, from Paul's teaching that both single men and women live Singleness is a gift, marriage is a gift. We often say that here, okay? So now when we go to Proverbs 31 specifically, I'm just going to go to verse 1. I want you to notice, this is not just true of the whole book. This is true of Proverbs 31 specifically. Proverbs 31 was specifically written to a young man. Look what it says. Verse 1. The sayings of King Lemuel. Sounds like a, a Madagascar character or something. And inspired utterance his mother taught him. Listen, my son. Listen, son of my womb. Do any of you mothers say that to your sons? And please don't, Okay. But this whole chapter is advice from a mother to her son. These are some characteristics to look for in a woman. Now, if the collector of the Proverbs was thinking of women when he wrote Proverbs 31, no doubt there would be all kinds of other material in it. 
So do not forget that. But he didn't. It's a very specific proverb to a very, uh, set of proverbs to a very specific situation. So now we can jump into, make sure I'm not losing anything here, all, some of the things the Proverbs 31 woman does, and she does a lot, okay? Spoiler alert. Verse 13, I'm not going to get every single verse because there's 22, but she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands, okay? She gets up while it is still night. That means very, very early, okay? How many of you women, do, should we do a show of hands? Get up while it is still night, to work for your family. Now, some of you, the answer is yes. But for those of you who the answer is yes, and do it with eager hands. <laughs> she does not just get up early and then drag around, oh, i got to take care of my house. No, she is bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. It's still nighttime. Let it up. I'm going to take care of my family. I love my job. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She gets up, she does it with eager hands while we keep going. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sees that her trading is profitable. I want you to notice this. Earnings, profit, and her lamp does not go out at night. So again, husbands, you can see why this would be an ideal wife. She gets up in the morning and has eager hands to serve you. Your oatmeal and your waffles are hot and crisp and the oatmeal has raisins in it, and she's smiling at you first thing in the morning. And then she goes out and she brings home the bacon. <laughs> this woman is incredible. Now, how does she do all of this? How does she do all of this and then also go out and make so much money? She gets up early, yes, but her lamp does not go out at night. She just basically doesn't sleep. <laughs> now, those of you who are moms of children three years old and younger, you are actually living this right now, except for the part about bringing home money, unfortunately. I don't know how many of you, now again, I know lots of women over the centuries, well, I haven't known women for centuries, I've, I've known some women more recently, <laughs> and I'm sure women over the centuries, but I know women now who have been very encouraged by Proverbs 31, which is great, if you're one of those people, awesome, but when I read this, I don't know how many of you have actually paid attention to what it says. But I for sure know women who, as they look at this, go, wow, do I suck. <laughs> but, unfortunately, the proverb collector and writer is not done. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. So she's making clothing and blankets. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Amazing. She has time yet to invite over the neighbors. She takes care of the neighbors. She takes care of the poor. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. Odd. She is clothed in fine linen. She even has good fashion. She looks good doing it. She doesn't sleep. She makes money. She takes care of the kids. And she looks good the whole time. I don't know about you, but there are not many women out there that can live up to this, right? Or are any of you perhaps feeling just a bit intimidated at this point? So we need to talk about three things. Three things you need to know, other than what we've already talked about, uh, about the context of Proverbs being written to young men. 
But let's, tell, let's talk about three other things. First thing you need to know about Proverbs 31, and each of these three things is going to get increasingly more freeing for you women and increasingly more convicting for us men. Does that sound good? As the men get up and go for the exits. First thing you need to know about Proverbs 31 that you can't see in the English is that this is an acrostic poem. Okay, I'll explain what that is in just a moment. It's a poem, and it's an acrostic poem that covers all 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Okay, that's the first thing you need to know, which, of course, we don't pick up on in English. Okay? So the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters, and in Hebrew, that's why there's 22 verses, and each verse starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Okay, it would be like if you did an acrostic poem in English and started each line with A, B, C, D, E, and N. Okay, so the first thing you have to understand is one of the reasons this woman is so busy is because the writer of this poem has to fill up 22 letters. That's actually a big part of the reason. Okay, he's not sitting there going... Okay, here is a realistic woman that exists out there that you should marry. He is thinking of good traits of wise women. And he's got to come up with 22 of them because he's got to fill up the letter. It's a, it's a poem, okay? That's the first thing you need to know. And that's really important. And that's part of the reason, a big part of the reason, why she is so busy, okay? So that's the first thing. And this poem includes the traits from what many different women would possess, not all that one woman must possess, or that each woman should possess. That's very important. Number two, this, this point here becomes even more important when we jump to point number two. Proverbs 31 is a rebuttal against the views of women in surrounding cultures. And this is something we miss because... Obviously, being a modern culture, we don't understand. What was ancient culture like? Because every piece of writing, modern writings, writings of scripture, okay, anything any human being ever writes is always written in a context. So, and whenever we write things, we tend to be writing to affirm or react against something that's going on around us. The same is true of this poem. This writer writes an acrostic poem in a context in which he is reacting against wrong views of women in the surrounding culture, okay? So, for example, so, and there's two main wrong views Proverbs 31 takes on, okay? One is many of the surrounding nations, so you can find this, archaeologists, historians, we've found lots of writings from the ancient Near East cultures right around uh, Israel in a time when the Proverbs were, were collected, and many of them focus on something in particular. Guys, you'll be absolutely shocked to find out that already thousands of years ago, women were being objectified for their looks. And so many of the writings of the surrounding culture, see, sometimes we moderns talk as if we've invented all the good stuff and all the bad stuff. Like, like the objectification of women in movies and online and pornography and things like that, as if we just sort of invented that now. It's a problem. It's always been a problem as long as there's been men, okay? So many of the surrounding nations of the ancient Near East in the time of Proverbs had writings about what an ideal woman is, and lots of them focus on physical attraction and the sexual allure. And into that, Proverbs completely rebuts it, 
And in fact, in Proverbs 31, we find a specific and important statement right near the end. We find this in verse 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Proverbs 31 is a rebuttal to the objectification in the surrounding cultures of women and making beauty the most important thing. Proverbs 31 says, actually, a woman's character and intellect and capacity in the marketplace are things to be praised. And actually, beauty is down the list. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So here's the point Proverbs 31 makes. Women are to be valued for their intelligence and character, not objectified based on looks. By the way, I think that's a really good point, don't you? Proverbs 31 is not putting a burden on women. These are all the things you have to do. It is defending women. You are not just about looks. You're not someone to be objectified. But that wasn't the only problem in the ancient cultures. That was one problem. One problem was sexual objectification. Another problem was in the more Greek areas, the more Greek countries, the Greeks had a... Had a uh, kind of a stereotype, or they had an ideal type of woman that actually makes a lot of sense to us in modern times, too. It makes a lot of sense if you lived in the 50s. In Greek-speaking cultures in ancient times, the ideal woman was a housewife who didn't cause trouble, who made her husband happy, and just kind of kept her head down so her husband could live out all of his dreams, Okay? And Proverbs 31 rebuts that as well. By the way, I couldn't help myself because when I was reading this, I'm doing the study in my commentaries and various things. I'm like, I could not help, as I said before, think about the 1950s. I'm sure some of you have seen some of these ads, okay? I do not approve. But could you imagine if someone tried to pull this off? Can you see that? This was a 1950s ad for a Kenwood chef blender. The chef does everything but cook. That's what wives are for. I got three of them, okay? Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you, Proverbs 31 does not like 1950s American culture. So the harder a wife works, the cuter she looks, and she's got a little duster. And then it's an ad for vitamins for more pep. And you see the husband there in his suit, and she's in her thing. Now the next one, I was considering not putting up there just because the reference to beer, but I thought, well, just get away with it. I am not condoning... Uh, underage drinking of any kind, okay? But I just had to show this. Do you see this? So you see this woman in her dress. She's burned something on the stove, and then the, the advertisement is, don't worry, darling, you didn't burn the beer. It's just so condescending. Okay? So that's, that it was like in the 1950s, that was the kind of thinking that people had. Now, unfortunately, too many Christian churches and too many Christian organizations have, I mean, we wouldn't, nobody would say those kind of ads are good today uh, on, you know, pain of being afraid of being tarred and feathered, right? But too many churches and Christian organizations have actually perpetuated stereotypes like that by telling women that actually the biblical view of what a woman should do is essentially that. 
And actually, Proverbs 31 paints a very different picture than that, doesn't it? Proverbs 31 gives us a rebuttal. It specifically tells us she considers a field and buys it. She's into real estate. Out of her earnings, her earnings, not her husband's. This is in the ancient world, okay? This is like, this is, is radical in its context. She plants a vineyard. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. Proverbs 31 is an absolute rebuttal to the Greek idea that women are just, you know, kind of less than servants to men. They should just stay at home. Now, I do want to say this, of course. I'm not saying, so here's a rebuttal and then I'll, I'll, I'll give a caveat. Proverbs 31 makes the point that, the women, that women are fully capable of thriving outside the home and in the marketplace and should be praised when they do so. Now, I am not here saying that every woman must, and neither is Proverbs 31. The point is not that those many women who have stayed home to take care of the kids or whatever, is not that women have done bad by doing that, not at all. Because again, Proverbs 31 is a poem that tells us what wisdom can look like in many different women. It's not all what every woman should do. So some women should, you know, stay home and thrive, and that's what they want to do, and that's how they're going to take care of their kids. And other women are going to go out into the marketplace, and they are going to earn money, and they're going to be profitable, and they're going to buy real estate, and they too should not feel guilty, nor should they feel less than. Proverbs 31 truly is a radical rebuttal to wrong views of womanhood. So that's two things. I said I would tell you three. Well, it's two things with subpoints. I always get away with giving you a lot more than what I tell you. We've looked at, it's an acrostic poem. We've looked at its rebuttal against the views of women in surrounding cultures. Now here's the third thing. What if there's something even way bigger going on in Proverbs 31 that's been right in front of our eyes the whole time and we just haven't seen it? What if actually Proverbs 31 is meant to speak to all of us, not just wives and not just women? What if Proverbs 31 is a metaphor for something much bigger than just finding the perfect wife? You say, now you're making things up. No. Let's do a little tour of the book of Proverbs. I told you that the book of Proverbs has a lot of metaphors involving women, okay? And throughout the book of Proverbs, which is about wisdom, wisdom is personified as a woman. And this is not just a minor theme in Proverbs. This is a huge theme that you cannot miss. It is central to the book of Proverbs. I'll just show you a couple of examples. Proverbs chapter 1 starts right in the beginning. Out in the open, wisdom, capital W. So the book of Proverbs is about getting wisdom. Now look at how wisdom is pictured. Wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. This is a woman. Wisdom is being pictured as a woman. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? And then in Proverbs 9, we see this. And again, we could look at many. This is central to the book of Proverbs is wisdom. We are being encouraged to seek wisdom, and wisdom is being pictured as a woman. Wisdom, now I want you to notice all the things wisdom does in this passage, and then remember some of the things the Proverbs 31 woman does in Proverbs 31. Wisdom 
has built herself a house. She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants, and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. This is, it's actually a beautiful word picture, isn't it? And it's central to Proverbs. This is everywhere in Proverbs. I'm just showing you a couple of examples. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. The point is, to these young men, think of wisdom as a woman. You want to follow her. You want to eat wisdom's food. You want to live in wisdom's house. She has servants. She calls to you. Listen to her. Eat with her. You want to live a wise life. Have a relationship with wisdom. Okay? Now, by the way, also in the book of Proverbs, foolishness is also pictured as a woman. Okay? So lots of female imagery here. Let's, let's just take one look at that. Foolishness. And again, I could show you a bunch of examples. I'll just show you one. Here's Proverbs 9 again. Folly is an unruly woman. So this is folly is foolishness, sinfulness. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by. Let all who are simple come to my house. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. So here in Proverbs, foolishness, to choose a foolish or sinful life. When you give in to sinful temptations, the picture in Proverbs is that you're following this woman folly. When you take advantage of people in your business, when you are lazy and don't take care of your family, when you make stupid, you know, financial decisions and not built on wisdom or common sense, you are building a relationship with a woman and her name is Folly. That is the imagery of the book of Proverbs, throughout the book of Proverbs. And so we can actually kind of sum up the pictures of the book of Proverbs the book of Proverbs is asking us all a question. Which woman will you follow? Lady wisdom or lady folly? Now, sometimes we've been so literal in our readings of Proverbs, so we read about the adulterous woman, and we think, why are there whole chapters just devoted to adultery? The, the point is bigger than adultery. The point is, any time you choose sinful, foolish ways of living, Anytime you choose those ways, when you choose to take the shortcut, when you choose laziness, when you choose ungodliness, when you choose cruelty, when you choose selfishness, you are having an affair with Lady Folly. That's how Proverbs pictures it. And every time you choose to work hard, to save, to be kind, to fear God, that's a big one in Proverbs, you are choosing Lady Wisdom. All of your actions are choices, according to Proverbs, the picture drawn in Proverbs of, will you choose to follow Lady Wisdom or will you choose to follow Lady Folly? Now, now we come back to Proverbs 31. This is not some obscure little thing I've pulled out of one piece of Proverbs. This is the whole book of Proverbs. And now we come to the end of Proverbs and we have the very finish to the book of Proverbs. We have this fascinating 22 passage about a woman. 
and you're supposed to marry her. And she works hard and she fears God and she takes care of her family. And ba, 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 ba. There are a whole ton of parallels. Let me just show you one with Lady Wisdom in the rest of the Proverbs. For example, wisdom in the rest of Proverbs is said to be more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. In Proverbs 31, a wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. Now, scholars do not all agree on this. There's disagreement. Some say, yes, she's definitely Lady Wisdom. Others say, well, no, it's kind of an idealized poem of different traits you know, of, of women. Either way, though, it's, it, it's, not, it's not possible to come to a fully definitive, is this exactly what the author meant? But either way, we get a fresh look, finally, at Proverbs 31 that helps us to see through a Proverbs lens how this passage actually also applies to us as men. Because now Proverbs 31 is for men and women, married and single. Will you marry Lady Wisdom? Will you fear God? Will you work hard? Will you take care of the poor? And if we do, we get this promise that looks a lot like promises about wisdom in the rest of the book. Proverbs 31, if you marry this Proverbs 31 woman, this lady wisdom, she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Now, I want to finish with one final verse now from Proverbs 31 that I think is so, when we see it in this fresh way, I think it's just a super powerful way to finish this message. Here's what it says in verse 26 of Proverbs 31. She, speaking of the Proverbs 31 woman, or it could be Lady Wisdom, she speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Now the question is, we read this, these two English words, faithful instruction, we don't really know what that means. It just sounds like two good things. She teaches good things. Maybe she teaches Bible things, faithful instruction. Maybe that means teaching the Bible. Like, what is faithful instruction? Because this, this woman speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Well, the interesting thing is that the Hebrew behind this is this beautiful word, chesed. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm butchering it, but it's chesed. It's spelled with an H, but it's like a ch. chesed. It actually means kindness. It doesn't mean faithful. It means kindness. That's why, in fact, most other translations don't translate to faithful instruction. They call it the law of kindness. She speaks with wisdom, and the law of kindness is on her tongue. Guess what? When wisdom speaks, whether it speaks through a wise wife, or a wise husband, or a wise single man, or a wise single woman, wisdom has a tone, and the tone is kindness. Wisdom has the law of kindness on her tongue. By the way, this helps us now understand some of the ways we here at Crossview, why we look at the scripture and we tackle these misconceptions. If you read a passage of scripture and you come away from that passage of scripture feeling despair, 
and shame and like you don't match up. I'm gonna tell you something right now. The spirit of God is also the spirit of wisdom is not speaking to you through that Bible passage. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, but, 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 when the Bible speaks, it convicts us. Yes, conviction is different than despair and shame. When wisdom speaks to you, it always speaks. The law of kindness is on her tongue. When the Spirit of God is speaking to you, the Spirit of wisdom is speaking to you through a verse, it might convict you that you need to change your ways, but it won't be the kind that despairs. It says, I cannot be a Proverbs 31 woman. If that's your feeling when you're finished with a passage, that isn't the Spirit of wisdom speaking to you. That is the Spirit of something else, the Spirit of shame, the Spirit of darkness, because the Spirit of wisdom speaks with kindness that even if it makes you want to change, you want to change because you have hope. And you want to change to be more the kind of person God has made you to be. I wish this passage would be internalized by more Christians and more preachers. Because when the, wisdom, when the spirit of wisdom speaks through our tongues when we preach the word of God, and when we disciple people, and when we call people to follow Jesus, yes, there is conviction, yes, there is repentance, but it always comes with the law of kindness on our tongues. And that same thing holds true when you go to work and when you're in your family and when you're with your friends. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And could we pray that the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of kindness would descend on us as a church and as single men and women and as moms and dads, married and unmarried, Father in heaven, you give the spirit of wisdom. And the spirit of wisdom speaks with the law of kindness. We need to be more kind. We need to be more wise. Not just the married women in this congregation, but all of us, men and women, married and unmarried alike. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today and being part of what God is doing here at Crossview. A special thanks to those that are giving generously to this ministry. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you enjoyed the sermon, why don't you subscribe to the platform you're listening to right now and let us know that you're listening by sharing and tagging us on social media. If you want to learn more about this ministry in our church, you can visit us at crossviewchurch.ca.